0: Hello everyone, welcome along, it's Justin Dawson, it's the All Things Techie Podcast, September edition, episode 4. Great show lined up for you. Um, Simon's not in studio with me. Where's Simon? Where is Simon? Simon will be joining us later on, uh, listeners, because we're going to be addressing um, so an interesting topic on education with audiovisual. How people got into the audiovisual sector. But first, we want to, uh, well, of course, the latest news in tech pretty much involves Apple and Samsung. Two big rivals with regards to uh, phones and technology, and always doing legal stuff against each other we're going to be asking you what is better the samsung uh, galaxy s9 or the iphone x series i'll use the word series because apple have released three new devices um listeners and they're big they are big Like to get in contact with the programme, you can do so, allteenstech.ie, that is allteenstech.ie. Simon will be joining us later on in the programme, and uh, you can also hashtag uh, allteenstechie if you want to use Twitter. We are on Twitter individually, at Justin or Dawson is my Twitter handle, or you can also tweet Simon Lang at at Simon Lang AB. Let's kick off the show.
1: All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. The year was
0: 2007, listeners, when the first iPhone came out 3.5 inches. Now in the year 2018, it has grown. An extra two inches. Sort of the same size that the mini iPhone X in 2017 was 5.8 inches. Now it's the smallest of the iPhone series. Are you following me? Phones are getting bigger and bigger. Is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? I'd love to hear your comments to allthingstech.ie or hashtag allthingstechie on Twitter or you can also tweet me at Justin or Dawson. Yeah. So now, in the space of eleven years, it's grown uh, three three inches from the original iPhone of three point five inches. Uh, iPhone uh, has come out with a series of three new phones. And do you want a bigger phone? Like my thought is. Listeners, if I want a big device, I'll buy a tablet. I'll buy a six, seven, eight-inch Android tablet, Apple tablet, whatever the case may be, because I want to watch movies or whatever. Do people use WhatsApp now when messaging, virtual messaging services, instead of using FaceTime with Apple? Or do you, do you need a phone to be this size? And then I think we're going to be talking about children using wanting to have these big 6.5 inch devices would you actually give your child one of these for christmas wow it's only a couple of months away listeners that's what i love to know because to be honest when the device is now costing nearly over a thousand euro to buy in or else you go bill pay but with massive tariffs Do you actually want to give your child one of these devices? Hell no is my thought. Uh, Well I only have a one year old and I would love to hear your comments on it. So it's so long small phones it's been real. Earlier in the month Apple announced its trio of new phones and with it the company put the final nail on the coffin for rebooting a small pocketable iPhone. That's because the new lineup includes the 5.8 inch iPhone XS the 6.1-inch iPhone XR and the 6.5-inch XS Max. Do you follow this, listeners? Like, the names of these phones just confuse me. Like, why call it the XS? S, would in my view, would be small, but SS Max is a maximum size of 6.5 inches okay suddenly last year's biggest iPhone is now this year's smallest option couple that with the fact that Apple is now discontinuing the 4 inch iPhone SE and this all means one thing abandon all hope of ever owning a new small smartphone iOS Android or whatever you have and we will be looking at what is better the Samsung Galaxy S9 or the iPhone X series and the world of top smartphones has polarized in a few years into two distant factions Apple or Android personally I'm an Android fan simply because it gives me a wider range of choice I can't grasp my head around the iCloud and I like to be able to you know choose which way my phone is programmed and and what apps I want to have on it in comparison to buy all into Apple. That's a personal decision for me listeners. Um, it's been easy to say that Apple's iPhone X design is slightly fresher than the Samsung S9 because Samsung choose to keep the design of the Galaxy S8, meaning it's familiar. Yet familiarity that's one key factor of many people using um Android phones. Samsung was the first to curve the edges of his phone and get creative with a display forming and what it was one of the first to push out the sixteen nine widescreen uh, format. Essentially, it led the way to shifting the display aspect, which dominates device designs in twenty eighteen. The Samsung Galaxy S nine is a five point eight inch twenty nine sixty by fourteen forty pixels, five seventy oh uh, ppi. Sorry, five seventy ppi rather, and OLED as is. The iPhone with OLED 5.8 inch exact same size but 2436 by 1125 I guess that's because of the curve I believe so uh, both the s9 and the X have the same size both are OLED and both source from from Samsung's display so you will find some similarities there on the spec sheet, there is a difference with the S9 offering a much higher resolution, resulting in the 570 ppi compared to the 458 ppi of the iPhone X. However, Samsung defaults to a lower resolution for normal use, running at 20, 2220 by 1080 pixels. At the same resolution, there's very difference between the terms of sharpness. However, if you look at them closely enough, you can tell the difference just when you change the settings resolutions. So Samsung are going for the screen the vividness going with the size again I again I'm not a fan of having such a large phone processors uh, the Samsung Galaxy S9 comes with a Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 or the Xenox uh, I think it's pronounced 9810 where the iPhone X comes with an A11 Bionic with M11 motion co-processor so did cameras? Samsung S nine have a twelve megapixel dual pixel dual aperture, one point uh, five f stop to and one uh, two point four uh, f stop. The iPhone X has the same twelve megapixel dual camera, f one point eight wide angle and second f two point four zoom lens with OIS. And um, so, what's better? It's it's hard to say. By God, isn't it gone to the world where you don't have to actually buy a camera unless you want it? like the, the f-stops on these are so vivid now on some of the phones. Um, whatever happened to just making phone calls? Samsung Galaxy S9 and the iPhone X software wise has Galaxy Android Oreo with Samsung Experience uh, user experience and the iPhone has the iPhone X. Uh, iOS 11. The iPhone X carries the latest version of Apple's operating system updating in line with the rest of the Apple universe. With this priority in uh, features across the pretty much all Apple devices the iPhone X offers a slightly different take on the user interaction with a swipe gesture to bypass the need for home button. It's slick and it's fast. The Samsung Galaxy S9 offers Android Oreo with Samsung Experience user experience over the top. Um, this adds to the completely new Android while retaining its core functions and Google services. And that's what I like about the Samsung phones, I have to say. It's, it's very... It's easy to use with Google, I, I believe. Um, that's just personally my opinion the prices now this is where it gets interesting listeners the samsung galaxy s9 retails at 749 pound while the iphone x is 999 pounds and it's 250 pounds cheaper than the iphone x even the larger galaxy s9 is 130 pounds cheaper than the iphone x isn't enough to get you buying either of these phones and what happened to the the 5G on uh, the iPhone virtually all of the major players in the wireless industry are scrambling to tie their fortunes to 5G Verizon will launch its 5G home wireless broadband next month apparently uh, it's announced Sprint and LG in the states want to bring out the first smartphone using the next generation technology when will it hit Ireland probably 2022 23 24 25 we don't know it's very slow to get going here uh, in ireland even sure we're trying to still rough out the edges of getting faster wi-fi against the rural areas and with one contractor still in have you bought a Samsung S9 or an iPhone uh, X series? We'd love to hear from you. You can tweet me at Justin or Dawson, or you can visit our website allthenstech.ie. The main purpose of today's show, listeners, is about a month ago during the summer, I put up a long blog of the Irish state exams, which is called the Leaving Cert. and since then, there has been even a program on RTE Television, our national television broadcaster, where a DJ went back and did his leaving search again. Now, I am not afraid to admit that I got two hundred and five points in the leaving search. Why did I get two hundred and five points in the leaving search? Well, you know, I wasn't one of these children that wasn't really interested in studying the English, Irish, Maths, Geography, Science language to get top points which is about 650 points i think it's the top amount of points now forgive me if i'm wrong maybe it's 600 but i knew that i wanted to do tv and radio production in college i had a portfolio of doing pirate radio beforehand and i got into college on the basis of having two higher level subjects plus my interest in radio once i got into college i Got straight A's in my diploma degree and in my master's so it's the difference of in my view studying what you love so with that topic in mind I wrote an article on LinkedIn and I've got quite a following of the article and people going I can relate to this and even the 2FM DJ from RT uh, TV and radio he went back and did his leaving search again after ten years, and even got three hundred and fifty odd points in the in the program, but his emphasis was that it's not going to change the way he operates in the past ten years from doing his leaving search to to now, as he still found that it was a very stressful exam to to repeat after ten years. And then my wife was actually doing match grinds for a neighbour and a neighbour's daughter and looking back at the match book just gives me chills listeners so with that I thought with Simon well what tips can we give for people that want to get into the audiovisual industry in Ireland and then we thought that's being a bit specific so what tips would we give to people that want to get into audiovisual full stop. So as we did this program, we noticed it's going to turn into a series because loads of AV Tweeps around the world wanted to get involved in the show. So this is gonna run over uh, September's month or episode four into episode five, and we have some great people lined up. In this month's episode, we talked to Joe Way, Krista Bender, James Scott jonathan owen and of course i first started off speaking with simon lang and asked him how he got involved in the av industry
2: yeah so i actually had to go back and remind myself the titles from my linkedin profile that's bad when you can't remember them off top the titles so Mm -hmm. i did basically a sound technology certificate to start off with Mm -hmm. and the whole point of that was a one-year course to go do i like this or not like it it's only a year if I do, it's only a year if I don't, the okay. kind of thing. So I loved it, as you can imagine. So then I went on and did a diploma for two years in music production in Ballyfermish College, which is um, in Dublin. So it's a smaller college in Dublin, but it's very music and arts orientated in the sense of art as in animation art and all mm-hmm. that kind of as well as other things but that's what they're probably very well known for is their music courses and then i had an add-on year to make it a degree which a joint uh between thames university which is now called west london university mm-hmm. of i would have said my course were oriented towards people going into live concert venues music mm-hmm. music studios that kind of orientation where if you look at the people who i work with who are in um, higher, AV higher. You have another totally different side. You have a visual side that was not really covered in our course. Like we would have done a web design, but we wouldn't have done visual mixing. I think even and having a networking module now as part of the course i think is essential will be essential as a real basic cisco but yeah. one of my one of my guys who work with me comes from the, from a college in Dunleary, and but it was definitely sound orientation when he did it as well and um, where it wasn't very much visual like the closest would you nearly get is like in ballyferma there was a tv production so the tv or closest probably to the end product that we would need but it's probably heavy tv where we need visual in the sense of a lot more visual mixing visual routing understanding HDMI. i think when i came out of college i my closest to what i wanted to do when i was coming to college was i got to work a whole weekend on justin timberlake in the tree arena then I actually couldn't get a job for a few years. My my LinkedIn profile, there was a gap between college and when I actually started in this role um, where I actually went back to my roots, which was in a different industry completely. Mm. To this. But it's kind of funny, the industry has actually merged. So I went to work, I worked for hardware shops or DIY stores. If you're in the States, you probably know them. This job, this current project, has been probably the first time the two of them have meshed because I understand builders now. Mm-hmm. I understand. So there's no pulling a wool over my eyes in terms of building work because I understand what's going on. I definitely think you need to have an audiovisual grounding mm. for this, um, to be able to work in this industry. You need some form of a theory and sound or some kind of visual, like like in your case, radio or television or sound engineering you need to definitely have a basis but i think there's lots of add-on things you need to be able to do i i'd be pushing for doing some form of networking cisco qualification Mm -hmm. and or even having some it knowledge under your belt as well like i would when i joined pwc my role was actually an av and it support role so i was kind of 50 50 so a lot of the stuff i solved out on the floor was often more it related but it, it, it impacted AV because usually it was two minutes before a presentation. Something wasn't working right in your computer. Trying yes. to solve it so the computer would be working so you could present. So it, you do need a bit of an IT. So I wouldn't say there's one course that fits all, but I definitely think you need to have an, an audiovisual yes. sound. Uh, if I was in college and they told me um, I had one module a week of an hour or two hours a week, to work towards completing my CTS by, by the end of the summer, I would tell people jump at that because the grounding in that is just amazing that you can, there's so much broad amount of technology in the, for the AV. And um, so if you walked out of college with your degree or your diploma and a CTS qualification, I think you're really set up for a um, career in audiovisual. And then I would say part-time jobs. Yep. I would definitely get out there and even do a little bit on a radio station if you're into radio. Even go into an AV hire company and go, I'm available at weekends for um, for some work, um, so freelance work, that kind of way. Because right. the, the stuff that's thrown at you when you're out on the road and yes and no, the hours are horrible. And sometimes the events can be extremely boring and dull. Yeah, um, we know what we've we sat through those financial presentations and we're nearly um we're lo- losing our will to live. But you need the experience of connecting it up, running your cables around, positioning your speakers, testing your mics, what to do when the projector won't boot up and it's 15 minutes before rehearsal you can't get an image up on the projector and you're there, you're working with possibly some of the most experienced senior AV technicians in the higher company and trying to resolve it between you and they're banging heads and your opinion counts just as much as the senior person's. So you're learning from them. They're learning from you. And, if all else fails, Google kicks in because the phones all come out and everyone is is like googling this, googling that. And to be honest, that's for, we all don't look for manuals anymore. We just Google. I think once yes. you're, I think you need to do the the college qualification. I mm-hmm. think even higher companies are 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 now being picky. You Dutch. Oh, I worked for on a few PA speakers. Okay, that's nice. What's your qualification? They want some kind of background of proof of your ability and um, so even if it's a certificate and then maybe a cts or something like that at least it's proved you've done some learning and then when you're in the door the manufacturer training should kick in you even if it's privately by yourself if the company doesn't pay for it but maybe then that gives you a better place in the company when you turn around and go well i've just completed my i'm working for david Company. i've just completed a christy module on and projector warping and wrapping and making 360 projection displays and all this kind of stuff and they're going really we have something coming up though we need someone with that skill yes well not only do we have
0: simon lang's view my co-host we also have now i better get all these names and titles right joe way director of multimedia services at california baptist university Uh, Christa Bender, Client Services Manager at Pivot Communications. James Scott, the AV Digital Media and Events Tech at the University of Hertfordshire. And Jonathan Owen, he is the IT AV Service Owner of Learning Spaces and Collaborative Environments at the Uni of Warwick. Thank you for joining us, guys. And we're going to wrap it up in you telling us how you got involved in audiovisual. Was it always your main interest, what would you be doing instead? And um what tips you have for the future of uh people that's coming into audiovisual. visual uh, so let's start off with yourself, Joe. Um how did you get involved in audiovisual? Originally went to the University of Southern California um
3: for the recording engineering program, which is considered the best in the world. It's been ranked that way for decades. And um but I just happened to find a professor who I absolutely loved, and I had done a lot of mixing and live mixing uh, for a lot of uh, uh, very popular bands, and had gophered at a number of the uh, different uh, record recording studios throughout uh, LA. And so it just it bored me to go through all the, you know, the the theory classes and the music theory classes. So I ended up finding a professor I loved, got my degree in philosophy, and then I ended up getting my. Master's in Applied Biblical Studies and my Ph.D. in uh, technically theology at church production. So I ended up taking you know, my 25 years in the entertainment industry, which is where I really made all my money, uh, in the business development side of the entertainment industry and kind of combined that full circle.
1: So I am Krista Bender and my current position is, a, I am a client services manager Um, for pivot communications.
4: Um, So my name is Jonathan Owen. Uh, I work for the University of Warwick. I'm the service owner for learning spaces and collaborative environments.
5: So I'm James Scott, and um, I'm currently a, um, uh, what do you call it, Uh, events and digital media technical specialist. (laughs)
1: Well, the first time around in college, I studied mostly general studies and uh, a lot of arts and science. I did a lot of pottery. Um, And no, I wasn't a fan of the movie Ghost, but I did a lot of pottery uh, first time around. And then uh, I took a break and started working full time. And then I got into AV because my husband, who was my boyfriend at the time, he was in AV. And he knew of a position that was opening up at a company. So I went and applied and I started working at an integrator in uh, the inside sales department there. Um, So I worked there at that integrator for 10 and a half years. And while I was there, got, you know, various manufacturer certifications, got my CTS. And then um, I left that integrator to go work for another integrator for a few years and um, now I am working for a marketing uh, company that focuses on the audiovisual industry.
5: Well, actually, I came from the theater background. Okay. So, I, so I, um, all through the school, I was a, sort of the theater drama technician, all through school, and then um, at college, I did a, a BTech High National Diploma in theater technology. Mm-hmm and then went to a, after that, I went to a, um, a drama college where I did a Bachelor of Arts in lighting design. Right. So I thought I'd be a lighting, lighting technician and, or designer for either the stage or concerts or drama, drama shows. Stuff.
4: I didn't really study anything, so I didn't actually end up going to university at all. Okay. So, so I drifted into audiovisual. Um, so I finished college, uh, I went traveling for a few months to figure out what I wanted to do, um, came back, needed to earn some money um, and got a job as a kind of conference assistant doing AV at a conference center. So that was my kind of introduction to the AV industry. Um, found I quite enjoyed it because it was quite varied and you got to play with lots of technology, um, always quite liked technology, used to play guitar in a band and different things like that. Um, but yeah, really just stumbled into it by accident at the very beginning. So,
6: the
3: church that I had been around needed a tech director. So I went in one day and basically, you know, had started dating a girl, got a fiance and basically a job in the same day <laughs> and, uh, you know, and just turned, ended up turning, place. My, you know, turning my business down, closing it and then becoming a tech director at a, one of the larger churches down here in Orange County. And, uh, and it was then that while I was you know, overseeing that and there was a big upgrade going on at that time, some new direction, and we were putting in a lot of new technologies that I realized that when you're working in a church, your job is bigger than being AV. Because I would have a lot of volunteers who would work with me on the weekends, right? And then they would come to me and say, what did the pastor mean by XYZ? And I was thinking, um, oh, that's the pastor. Well, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just the same guy <laughs> um but that that's what made me recognize that wow i i have a job with a purpose now mm-hmm. and the purpose isn't just a paycheck
1: well at the time when i was going to to college the first time i was um i was torn i was like oh maybe i'll be a teacher and then i switched over to sports medicine mm-hmm. um so and then obviously i i did neither of those and then um when i went back to school the second time to get my bachelor's I focused on uh, getting a degree in organizational leadership because I figured whatever I did then that would kind of, you know, run the gamut. So it's still not quite AV or technology focused, but I figured that that degree would serve me better. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that AV was really a um, a job or an industry because um, I don't recall my high school having like an AV club. Like a lot of people say, their high schools had that, and right. yeah. we didn't have it, so I wasn't aware. And we still had blackboards and overhead, you know, projectors that they would bring in on the carts. So I knew what AV was, but um, not to what it is, you know, currently.
4: I did the the first ever. Well, I did the original CTS when it came to the UK, which was Infocom back then. Mm-hmm. Um, I did CTSD, um, the first course in the UK, and failed, actually, <laughs> interestingly. Um, in hindsight, I probably took that a little bit too early in my career. Um, but generally, as opportunities that arose at kind of Warwick, I'd, I'd take any training, whether it was manufacturer training, hands on. Um, but I, I guess the, the vast amount of experience I gained was actually on the job working with techni- technicians and colleagues um, and just getting stuck mm-hmm. in
5: from the university really before then it was just sort of learn on the job type stuff and then once at the university I got a good good manager Adam Harvey who's sort of quite quite keen and he's sort of got me through some of the Avixa courses mm-hmm. and then that was sort of leading up to the cts
6: it's, and and you've completed the, your CTS, haven't you? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. 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 So, so what's next? On, the, are you going to for D or I with the CTS? Well, there's
5: a possibility of going towards the I, mm-hmm. but.
6: Yeah, yeah. Wait until you it's very hard when you you have a, a small family and you say, Yeah, I'm gonna do this. Oh, yeah, then you open up the book and go, Actually, maybe that was a bad idea. I'll just park it over there underneath my coffee <laughs> cup yeah. for a for a week yeah. I think
5: that will swallow up a bit of time, yeah.
4: Well, I've been a member of the S M G for quite a number of years and it was also a good um group for exchanging knowledge and learning things. Um, certainly as I, I kind of went into more management roles, um, i to kind of reach out and ask for advice and colleagues at different u- universities. So it was a really kind of valuable kind of social network, really, which helped me develop. Um, and then, yeah, fairly recently, kind of 18 months ago, um, hosted the HSMG conference at Warwick and I got the opportunity to take on the role of chair, which was a, a you know, big challenge at the time and there's been lots of change um, since then um but yeah it's it's been a it's been a challenging time but um certainly myself and the other guys that have been helping me move the group forward we've relished it really but it's yeah it's a it's all good experience
5: Um, the manufacturer courses like the extron and the crestron courses they've got their they've got their right of place i think yeah most definitely but i think starting out i think Probably go towards either the CDR or the Evixer side of things.
1: Uh, when you're dealing with the uh, you know electrical contractors sometimes, or the on-site uh, contractors, maybe not the architect, but the you know the, the contractors that are putting up the building that the AV company has to work with to get the project done. Um, a lot of times they don't tend to have women on site, you know, and probably don't deal with women. So um, I sometimes find those scenarios where I will be the only woman on doing a a site visit, you know, and, and that's fine because I'm totally fine with opening my mouth and saying what needs to be said, but I, I do find an element that it can be a little interesting still and challenging because they may, sometimes, not all the time, it seems like they may want to brush off what I have to say, but it is really important to getting the project done correctly. Mm. i I do feel having the cts certification after my name has helped you know Mm. because it shows i've taken the time to to learn and and do things i mean i know anybody can do a test and whatnot but uh but i really do feel that the information i learned along the way to take that has helped me Mm. and then i do feel that certain manufacturing um uh certifications have helped it depends upon the client if they're you know like if they were an AMX house, you know, then if I, with my AMX certifications, then, you know, it was really easy or Extron or, you know, whatever Kramer, whatever certifications I have or don't have, let's just, (laughs) if it's the Krista certification and they're a Krista house, then it, uh, it worked out.
5: I wouldn't be afraid now to sort of use Twitter as a tool to get contacts. And um, I think, nowadays people are quite open to the idea of mentoring
4: my team sit within it services at the university um and it it always has done i think over the last five years we've become more converged internally um, and it's very difficult for us to do large projects without the involvement of it whether that's on an infrastructure level um networking network security even as far as information security now with and technology choices we make. So it's impossible to avoid. Um, certainly AV over IP is a huge thing in the industry, as you know, and um, you'd be a fool to ignore it. Um, but I think it works both ways. You know, we're, we're trying to learn from our colleagues in IT, they're trying to learn from us, and I think we have to meet in the middle sometimes.
3: Well, I think going for the Avixa first and foremost, I mean, that is the one that you've got to do first. I mean, I, I, and I'd say that hands down but I do believe there are some other good manufacturers training and it's about knowing your craft. Yeah. Right. Um, And and I don't know if you're assuming that people are to get into it or those who have the job, right? Like if I were a sound guy somewhere, I were running the theater at our university here Mm -hmm. and we've got, you know, a Yamaha CL5. Well, I should be calling up Yamaha and figuring out how to, you know, get as trained as I can and not just, Right, because it's about being a master of my craft and it's about you know being able to keep my job, to be honest, right? <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, and I think there are a lot of good ones. I mean, just to, to give a plug, I'd say Extron's AV technologist is phenomenal. It's yeah. a very basic, it's like, you know, it's CTS light, like CTS really, really light,
6: mm-hmm.
3: but it's, I think it's actually a good general knowledge of how a modern AV system works. Okay. And that's dirt cheap, like 99 bucks. Anyone can afford that. Right. Um, so I think that's a good one, but then getting into the manufacturer trainings, understanding how they work, it's only going to make you more employable, Mm -hmm. you know, and depending upon what area of AV you want to go into. So if you wanted to be in higher ed, we'll call up Extron, call up Crestron, call up AMX, get in their training programs, invest. I mean, let's just be honest. College tuition is expensive, Right. Yeah. Let's say, for example, where we're at, Where I, I mean, our tuition is $30,000 a year.
6: Okay, wow. <laughs> now, <laughs> it's okay. A, it is much more, it's, you can nearly double what you pay <laughs> in the States as what but, you would pay in Ireland. And you know that as well from being yeah. over in Birmingham and doing your PhD. Yep, but now look at it this way.
3: When, I, when people say, you know, um, they would do a manufacturer's training somewhere, fly out to Crestron in in Jersey or Extron here in Anaheim, and you want to pay for the course, two hundred ninety-nine bucks or three hundred ninety-nine bucks. because, oh my God, it's so expensive. Really, compared to college tuition? Yes.
6: Yeah. So
3: I mean, it's nothing. It's absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And so even if you could, you invested two thousand dollars in your own manufacturer's training, and you wanted to get into higher ed, and you put in an application, and you said, here I have a basic, you know, CTS, or even taking CTS off the table. And you knew what uh, what classroom systems that university had. And you could say, look, I'm a control professional for, with extra. I also un, you know, have basic sure knowledge. I have whatever, you know. So I'm comfortable in every one of your systems. Tell me that's not hireable. Okay. Right? And it cost you almost nothing to do.
6: And would that be seen with your type of HR departments as more valid than someone that comes in and has a master's or a PhD.
3: It would depend upon this, you know, on the position, but I would say in a support role, in a tech role, absolutely. Right. Because they're going to know, and here's the thing, they probably have no clue what it means. Yes. But the Uh, person uh, hiring you would. Yes. Right. I mean, I just went through this a year ago when I brought on uh, the person who works for me and under me and, you know, I brought him in because he knew the systems there were other people who were very qualified had the right demeanor had right the right drive but, but have the skills he you know he flat out knew the classroom systems up you know up and down back and forth and like you don't pass on that right, right? Okay. and i think that's so therefore i think those are important and if you you know that's a, that's for going into a university situation but if you wanted to go into live well i mean you can take avid classes you can do you know you name it there are so many things you wanted to mix you, you know get certified in you know the entire Adobe creative suite there are certain things that you could depending on the area you want to go into that you could get that somebody who is a hiring manager for a position would understand you know uh, i think a bachelor's degree nowadays is expected yes. and if, but if you don't have a bachelor's you better be a mas- you better be
6: an expert in what in your craft. And I would say very similar over here in Ireland, like a master's is just seen as a norm now mm-hmm. with regards to a job front. Do you think there's enough variety of courses then available for audio Uh
3: Once I teach mine, there will be, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it, it, I would say, Hmm. I'm going to give it a yes. I mean, my instinct was to say no because I think you can always have more. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I join all those Avixa webinars when I can. I try to, even if I can't always do it, I think I sign up for every one of them. And if I'm available, I log into it. But that's also because it's a personal drive to know more.
6: Yes. Right.
3: So isn't it more about the person than it is the availability? Someone who wants to learn will do. Because, you know, for example. When I came into the university two years ago, I'm not sure that I ever used an Xtron control. I probably did. I probably walked in somewhere and hit the on button on it, mm-hmm. but I couldn't tell you if I did. Yeah. You know. So, but because my role was to develop classroom standards and systems, I had to get in there and learn them all. So right. it was a drive for me to then become the expert in that because right. it's what I needed to do for my role, and I think. So I do believe there are enough if that's where you want to focus to. And let's just be honest. I mean, the manufacturers want you trained. We're in the
4: process of building a new a degree apprenticeship center. Okay. And for me, that's, you know, the future. That could be a good route into the industry, actually. So to get your degree, get the qualifications you need, do some practical um, work with an employer and learn on the ground, which you need to do, but also gain the qualification. I think if that option was available to me, you know, all those years ago, it's, it's probably one odd. certainly look at take.
1: Uh, come try it because, you know, um, it's a big, it's, it's a really big little industry, but there's a lot, of, there's a lot of things to do within the industry. So if you, if you join, come into the industry in whatever capacity, if it's from a technical end or a non-technical end, you can always, you know, come in and then get more technical. If you find that you really enjoy it and get, you know, then go learn, get certifications and, And become more technical you know and then if you're you know technical you can always always expand upon that as well and move up the ladder if you will Mm -hmm. Um, and you know don't be afraid to um, I mean some people may be afraid because they're introverts and they don't like to talk to people but don't be afraid to ask people questions I mean I love when I'll be at like, you know, a trade show or something and I get to actually meet people in person and then we get to talking and then like, you know, somebody squeals for joy when they see me or I squeal for joy when I see somebody because it's like, oh, I've I've always wanted to talk to you. Like, you know, and and if you want to, if you're a person that has some time on your hand, volunteer um, and be a part of things. Um, I spend a lot of time volunteering for Avixa. I'm part of their um, content and learning committee which used to be um, the Petsy Committee. I'm a part of the, you know, women of Avixa, or, yeah, the Avixa Women's Council. Um, so I help out with that. Um, you know, and that's because I really like the industry and I want to see it get better. I mean, I've spent 15 years in it so far. I'd like to spend at least another 15, if not more. So I want it to be better than what it was.
0: Well, there you have it. Uh, th- this uh, podcast recorded over the month of September and um, with people telling us how they got involved in audiovisual and we have more people lined up next month, listeners including uh, Chuck Espinoza, he is the senior uh, trainer at Avixa Uh, Chris Neto hopefully will have on as well and Mark Coxon, Mark has an interesting background of how audiovisual obviously wasn't his number one choice when he was studying Uh, we'll be hearing from Mark as well if you are listening into the program and want to tell us how you got involved in audiovisual, we love to hear from you. You can tweet us at uh, Justin Ordorson, it's my Twitter handle, or you can tweet Simon at SimonLineAB. The guys that have been on, the program they're all ab tweeps and i'm sure you, you can reach out to them as well or you can visit us on our website www.allthingstech.ie i want to really thank all the listeners for sending in best wishes as i enter into a week to go before the ab mag 20th ab awards in london in the grosvenor park hotel in london really looking forward to the finals shortlisted for ab professional of the year getting into the final uh, once more has been such an accolade for me and anything extra is just icing on the cake so thank you all for your warm wishes and uh, really appreciate the comments that have come into me in the past fortnight or so and uh, next month uh, because we didn't get to it apple is clearly working on Augmented reality glasses. Apple has brought Aconia Holographics, a Colorado-based startup dedicated to the manufacturing displays for augmented reality glasses. In addition to other recent purchases, this is an extremely strong indicator that Cupertino company is working on AR glasses. Or is it just a rumour? We'll be talking about that next month in Episode 5 of AllThingsTech.ie. Thanks to our guests, Joe Way, Krista Bender, James Scott, Jonathan Owen, and for you, the listener, for listening in. Of course, Simon Lang, who also was on the programme. Simon and I, not in studio together this time, simply because really, really, really busy month of September and uh, we'll be back together in October and as well a VIXA roundtable is coming over to Dublin in October so I'm sure we'll be giving you the highlights of that too. From myself Justin and Simon who is back at work working on project work thank you for listening and see you next month.
1: All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie.